Hello and a very warm welcome on a very cold evening in Watford to the latest from the Rookery End podcast. You may be a little bit confused. No, I am not John. My name is Kelly Summers and I'm delighted to be guest hosting the latest podcast and I'm joined by the one and only Mike Parkin. That's the best intro I've had. Magnificent. You can stay. Big shout out to John, of course. He's not with us, as you mentioned. He has just had a second mini Hornet. So congratulations to John and family um, and welcome to the world, little Beatrix. Well done. Yes. Congratulations to John and his lovely little family. I am also delighted to say that I'm joined by someone that's come a little bit further than Mike today. I almost want to give him a round of applause, but that wouldn't be appropriate. All the way from Denver, it's Paul. Hello, and thank you for joining us. Hello, thanks for having me. It's great to be here and uh, wonderful to start off my little two-week trip to uh, Watford with a wonderful win. Yeah, because let's be honest, if we start with a loss, it wouldn't have been the best. <laughs> wouldn't have been the best trip, but your trip has been complete. Let's start off, obviously, by talking about... Well, there's too much to talk about. Mike, I'm going to let you go first, as always. What did you make of that? That was a great win. We've just beaten the champions at home in the Premier League. We're eighth. It's, you're going to be some sort of cretin not to, not to be happy with that. I think there's a few things we've got to cover off first. The big elephant in the room, and Niggy, I'm not calling you an elephant, <laughs> but of course, Matt Sorry did make changes and he dropped, uh, dropped Igalo, which I think perhaps came a little bit as a surprise to me. I was going through the team and it didn't twig straight away that he wasn't playing. You're so used to sort of reeling off and you get down there and it's Dini and, and Igalo up front. And of course, yeah, when you see him on the sub, it's like, ha, ah, he's done it. He's, he's dropped him. And I thought, right, it's going to be really interesting to see how we, how we cope. The hope was that um, by doing that, he was going to free up Pereira to be a bit more creative because I don't think we've seen quite enough from him we haven't seen quite what we'd hoped to see from him so the initial hope was that it's going to allow him to have more of an impact more of a sort of link if you like between uh, midfield and attack which I think has been sadly lacking the last couple of games we've been a bit blunt to be perfectly honest but yeah I felt a little bit sorry for Igalo because I've, I've sort of banged the drum for him and I, I maintain he's a, he's a confidence player he probably just needs one to go in off his arse and, uh, and he'll be up and running again but I have to say Matt Sorry got it right today it was a, it was a, it was a, great, uh, a great performance and the other thing before I let you guys pick up on that, it's great, Jason and John aren't here to tell me to stop talking. <laughs> I'm going to tell you in a minute. But we did ask people um, uh, at Watford Podcast on the Twitter before, before the game, there was a poll running for 24 hours, who should replace Hollibas, because he's been one of our better performers. Um, and that was sort of a question on everyone's lips, but he went for the, the popular answer, which wasn't David Barnes, wasn't Jason Drysdale, wasn't Jermaine Darlington, wasn't Sietes, um, wasn't Paul Robinson, it was uh, Zuniga. And I think he came in and, and did a great job. So it's a different look tied today, but uh, one that I think everyone's coming away. Everyone that you see, everyone today, we're in the red line having a, having a chat now. Everyone's smiling. Everyone's really happy with that performance. We're beating the champions. It's, uh, it's freezing, but everyone's, everyone's buzzing. It's great. Cool. John does have a hard job keeping you quiet, doesn't he? Right, we've virtually may as well end the podcast there, but Paul, I'll let you have your say. We also saw a change in formation. What did you make of it? Well, I think uh, we've been discussing this for a few minutes and we're all a little, uh, we'll have a different view about what, what it is that we saw, but it, I think it wasn't, was not just a change of uh, personnel, but a change of, of formation. The way I saw it, there were three at the back. I think we're all in agreement about that. I then saw four in the midfield, two in the middle, which was uh, Barami and Kapu. Uh, and then Zuniga and Janmat were out wide, uh, which then left them either with three up front or two with Dini up, up top. And the, the two seemed to move around and, and switch off between positions and, and, and wings. And that was uh, Amrabat and uh, Pereira. And that was a, a different role than we've seen from him. I think we've seen him predominantly on the right-hand side of a midfield three. Uh, so to see him further forward and on the left was, was a change and uh, one that was productive because he cut in off that left-hand side and uh, hit a belter with his right foot into the corner. So. I think I think Zuniga did a did an excellent job coming in. I loved the response from from some uh, uh, wise guy on Twitter who said 
Holobash should just play anyway. Who's going who's gonna to stop him? I'm Jose Holobash. I'll, uh, I'll play. So I did half expect to see him sort of run out for, and, uh, and take his place. But I think Zuniga did, did a, a spectacular job, really, especially after he got booked quite early on, which... As the game went on, that booking looked more and more harsh. I think there was some strange officiating to this afternoon. It's a bit churlish maybe to talk about the ref when we've we've enjoyed what really was like a blood and thunder game, wasn't it? It was quite exciting, two teams going at it. There was a little bit of niggle. Um, not loads of goal-mouth action, but certainly you felt like you've got your money's worth there. But, yeah, absolute credit to, to Zuniga. I think he did really well. Um, and it felt like, I said before the Liverpool game, we've got the, the strength in depth is excellent and it allows us to, to have that fluid approach and it allows us to, to, to mix and match a little bit. And Liverpool sort of took the wind out of my sails because we looked bent out of shape in that game really badly. We never got started. Jan Mack came in as cover for Pradel and, and didn't really, didn't really um, fill his boots at all and we just looked all wrong. Whereas today, incredible, right from the get-go, it was absolutely fantastic. What an, what an amazing start. I think fluid is a really good word, and I thought there was a great deal of uh, interplay and interchange between the wingers and the, the wing-backs on, on both sides. It looked like they really knew each other, and, and being all four of them very attacking players, uh, although they, they did get back and defend when they had to, had to, they looked very comfortable in switching switching off, and one would go and one would stay, and I think that, that uh, added to the fluidity of the performance today. I also thought defensively it was pretty good. It was a bit shaky first half, but when it was 2-1, I actually tweeted off my personal account saying, we can see what's coming here. How many times have we seen Watford miss chances to go 3 4 4-1 up or whatever it would have been and they missed those chances and I thought we're going to see a late equaliser here these guys are champions they know how to grind out results but we didn't we ground out a result and there were some really good blocks in there at the end and it was, it was just nice to see yeah defensively I thought we were good and I think we'll I think we're going to come back to that but I do want to mention the start because uh, let's go back to the beginning let's there's so much to talk about we're going a bit crazy here Mike keeps doing these crazy hand actions and that kind of sums everything up I know you can't see that but let's go back to the start 35 seconds I think it was yeah. It was incredible, wasn't it? It was great, and that's what we wanted to see. We saw it against Hull. We saw that high-energy start to the game, and we almost blew Hull away within that first sort of 10 minutes. We hit the bar and the post, and it was similar today, but except this time, we scored. Um, Kapu got his goal, which is great. He needed to get his mojo back, I think. I think I was quite critical about him at Liverpool. I thought he went missing, but he popped up straight away, and I think that set the tone for his performance. I think he was, he was back to his hassling best. He was... You know, he plays his great balls. He's a great footballer. Everyone knows that. I said on uh, Fan TV the other day with, uh, with Justin Lee Collins, if you saw it, Channel uh, 212 on Sky. Cheeky little plug there. Check, check, <laughs> check me. Uh, if you didn't see it, don't worry, you didn't miss much. But I said he could, he could play for any Premier League club, and I, 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 I back that. But he has to fight for his right to, to be able to play the way he does. And I think he was back to his best today, and uh, that was really encouraging. That goal set the tone. And then Pereira, we, we said about him as well. We, he's obviously got talent. He purrs when he's on the ball. But have we seen enough from him? He was given a different role today and obviously popped up with an absolute magnificent goal. Was it, was it 12 minutes or was it less than, less than that? Um, so 11, 12 minutes. And almost, you know, Leicester have got a dreadful away record. They're really, really struggling in the league. They've got one eye on the Champions League. Think, right, this is a magnificent opportunity for us. Game plan executed absolutely perfectly. So that was just a joy to see us get out of the blocks um, quickly, but make the most of it, capitalise on it. And it looked like it was a plan and, and has been, I think, in the last couple of games. Aggression for, immediately from the kickoff. And, and you saw how many of our players were lined up on the halfway line when the kickoff was, was taken and they all piled forward. And as we said before, Barami and Kapu were really in that central kind of holding, both of them holding roles, but, but for them to be that far, far forward, for Kapu to be that far forward straight from the kickoff showed, I think, that they, they had a pre, pre-planned move 
from the kick to, to get forward and, and try and pressure the goal and it paid off. I think this is a disciplined, drilled Watford side. It was great to see when um, Janmat was getting forward, Kapu was coming back round to cover and stuff like that. Everyone today felt like they knew what they were doing. Everyone felt they knew what their role was against some tricky customers. You know, Jamie Vardy's obviously got pace. He won the penalty. Riyad Mahrez is, is an absolutely superb player. And, you know, they, they're good defensively. Um, so there's plenty to worry about for Watford today, even though Leicester are, are not in great form. You know, they're absolutely flying Europe and you don't beat these sides without being a good side. So Watford were well drilled, I thought, today, and it felt like it came together nicely. What I didn't, what was the most frustrating thing was after the penalty, which I think was a penalty. You I was going to ask that. I'm going to stop you there mid-flow. What did we think of the penalty? Because I was in the press box today and there was murmurs around me. No, it was soft, other people. It was a really, really contrasting one. I personally felt that Britos didn't need to go in there and it was classic Miguel yeah. Britos, I thought. You knew it. I didn't even see who it was at first. And I thought, oh, that's definitely Britos. Yes, it was. I just it was, thought it was a challenge. It didn't need to be made. I think that's the key point. Yeah, he didn't need to go in, especially against Jamie Vardy. You know what's going to happen. Everyone knows he's quick everyone knows what a striker does if he feels contact in the box Britos made it far too easy for him which was disappointing and we lost a foothold in the game after that we sort of we do we didn't look composed as composed I will I will preface it by saying I don't think Leicester threatened uh, really they had a lot of the ball um, but did, did Heralia have much to do not not really I think the most most he had to do was look after his kids after the game who both had incredible uh, jumpsuits on I noticed so we must uh, find out where Heralia does his clothes shopping but um, yeah we lost our losing our focus is a bit unfair but lost that sort of that impetus and we lost the the upper hand a little bit and and the second the second half I thought we didn't quite hit our straps again we never we never retained that sort of um, attacking prowess we never really got that uh, you know we never really got our blood pumping so much in the second half so that was that was slightly disappointing that we didn't we couldn't really drive on and make the most of it Amrabat had another great game but I think his final ball his delivery with his actual product if you look at it in cold, hard isolation, if you watch the, the game back and just watch him, I think he, he gives it away a little bit too easily. And I think Watford, as a, as a unit, gave it away too easily in the second half as well. And probably, you mentioned Britos made it hard for, for, for... He didn't need to make that challenge. We made uh, mistakes in the second half that we didn't need to, to make. And that's the slight frustration. We, we would have let a better informed team back into that game towards the end I thought they looked tired as well and Mazzari made credit to him he made the changes at the right time I felt we needed Guardiola in there we needed just to change it up a little bit because they, they did look a bit tired were you worried Paul? Um, well I think we've all been to enough games here over the years <laughs> where where you knew that that equaliser was coming and you, it was just a question of time and you're right everyone looked tired That the thing that, that uh, was strange for me coming from altitude was I could see the altitude kicking in, and I, then I had to remember that actually, no, I'm at more or less sea level here, so uh, so, so that isn't an excuse. Um, so, so I, you know, part of me, from a historical perspective, was expecting that equaliser to come, but then the the, the, the central three, you know, the back three central defenders looked so comfortable. Anything that came in through the air, they dealt with. Anything that came through the middle, they they dealt with, and the wing backs got back as well. So I was actually pretty relaxed. I didn't feel like. Leicester did all that much today to, to really threaten our goal. Um, going back to the penalty, I think the referee was got, got that one right, but it was a, an afternoon of some fairly erratic decision-making by the officials, I thought. I think uh, you mentioned the defence, and yeah, you're, you're right to, to single them out for praise. And I think Miguel Britos got, got man of the match, which was an interesting one. He did well to walk the tightrope of, like, uh, like Zuniga, he was, he was booked early on, and he did well to, uh, to walk that tightrope against some, church, some tricky opposition. But I thought Seproda was absolutely monumental today. He just looks cool, calm, composed. Um, he's rugged, he's handsome, 
Um, I just love looking at him. I think just him in the Watford side is is good. He looks good in the yellow. He looks good in the white. You just can't fault him. He's absolutely he's absolutely superb. But he gets his foot on everything. He's big. He's strong. He gets it clear if he has to. He plays a pass if he can. What an important player he is for Watford. And I thought he, I probably would have made him my man of the match today. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Mike's surname is Parkin. He has a son called Arlo and this is our feature, Michael Parkin's son. It gives me great pleasure to welcome once again to Michael Parkin's son, Arlo. Good morning, Arlo. How are you? Good. Now, Arlo, a little bird told me that whenever you hear Leicester City mentioned, you start singing a song. Is that true? What is that song? Jamie Vardy having a party. Well, me and the, all the other Watford fans were glad that yesterday Jamie Vardy wasn't having a party because Watford won, two goals to one. But if you were to invite a Watford player to your party, who would it be? Uh, Ironic, because he wasn't at the party yesterday at Wickery Road. And if there was one player that you wouldn't want to come to your birthday party, who wouldn't be on your list? Which Watford player wouldn't be on your list? Arlo, thank you very much for joining us. Bye. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, you Orns. Artist Hallie Inc. has asked us and you to get involved with his next project. Gavin Hand draws a picture of classic football kits for different clubs. His next is Watford, and he wants your suggestion for the nine kits that should be included. So which must he add to the piece? And is there any he must leave alone? Mike, I'm going to let you go first. All right, well, does that mean we're big time? The artists are taking notice of us and, and drawing our kits. I think, that means, I think that means we've arrived. There's loads, isn't there? I think the first one, for me has to be my first sort of kit that I remember, which is the Solvite one, so the late, the late 80s one with the red and black band. You showing your age here? Uh, yeah, I think everyone knows my age. Big, big fat old bald man. <laughs> Tough paper round, I'm only 21. But um, yeah, so the Solvite one I absolutely love. I think that's, it's classic, it's still stylish, it sort of stands the test of fashion time. Uh, I think we'd look good coming out in that, uh, in that today. So I think that one absolutely has to go in. And the one before it, the Avico one, the one that we played in Europe, we played in, a, in an FA Cup final in, absolutely iconic, one of the most important periods of Watford's time. It's something that we, that's where we got our reputation from, uh, under Graham Taylor, Elton John. So those two absolutely have to go in. I don't know, uh, it'd be interesting to see what, what Paul thinks. Uh, well, I have to confess that the Solvite one was the uh, second or third kit that I, <laughs> that I ever owned. Uh, the very first one that I owned was from a little earlier in the mid-70s. It was, I think, the first one of the bright yellows. It was basically plain, no sponsor, with the black and red stripe down the, the, the sleeves. And uh, being a schoolboy in County Durham, uh, I was pretty unique in, in wearing that very loud uh, shirt. So for me, that one certainly has to be in there. And if I was to get a second choice, Growing up, my father, who uh, grew up in Watford, which is why I'm here, uh, always referred to them throughout his life as the Blues. Um, so I think we need to go old school and get one of the old blue shirts in there as well. I think we should include some kits from when we were rubbish as well. Because it's sort of like we're all taught, you know, blue is historical, our first kits, and they're, they're important to us. But also, we need a reminder that we haven't always been this glowing beacon of footballing quality. <laughs> there have been some dark times. Well, so it'd be quite nice to have just one in there that... Um, that, it, that sort of uh, represents Watford being a bit poor. I wonder whether that Blaupunkt away kit 
Do you remember the TV interference the, kit? The other one that I would suggest that we put in there uh, was the away kit from the centenary year that was sort of blue, light blue and white and dark blue squares. It was really a really ugly kit. I don't know why I bought it. My first kit was a blue and silver striped one. I'm, I'm a little bit younger than you guys. CTX. It was pretty. It was yeah, that one. That's the one. CTX. It was pretty hideous. But my first game was Wembley, the playoff final, and so I think I still have that home, but I do not wear it. Um, anyway, anyway, send us your suggestions. We are at Watford Podcast on Twitter. We love you getting involved, and we will be giving away a copy of the final piece very soon. A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This is from the rookery end. And Paul is not the only Hornet that came over from Denver for today's game. Earlier today, Mike caught up with Jeff and Kent. Okay, we're here after the game. We've been joined by two of the three Denver Hornets. Is there three of you here, would you say? Correct. There's three of us, yes. And we've got Jeff. Hello. And we've got Kent. Hello. Uh, and they're smiling, which is good, and I'm smiling too. Jeff, good to see you again, mate. How are you? Excellent. It was a fantastic day. Fantastic. Talk to us a little bit about the journey over and what your, what your time in, uh, over here has been like so far. Well, I had a great day in uh, Watford, went to the Watford Museum, went into Watford Palace last night and spent like an hour and a half in the shop yesterday. So Super Watford-centric, that's what we like. You're immersed <laughs> in Watford. And Kent, this has been a, a big day for you. It's your first game since... 1982. So everyone says this. Every time you interview a Watford player or someone comes back to Vicarage Road, they say, oh yeah, it's changed a bit. Has it changed a bit? <laughs> yeah, I, the last game I was at was... Uh, FA Cup fourth round against West Ham we won 2-0 and I was standing in the terrace and it was uh, I, I even know where I was standing because I could I could tell from an uh, old photograph and uh, being able to actually sit down that was kind of cool <laughs> and but what can you can you describe what can you describe what it's like being back after after so long does it still feel like Vicarage Road does it still feel like Watford or is it is it so different that it it feels like a different place well I I got to say, I was a teenager at the time, so I was kind of self-absorbed, and I was still kind of learning. I was just learning what the game was all about, and my mates took me under their wing, and they they taught me a bit about it. But it's uh, the whole thing is just surreal. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed the entire day, and meeting you guys and meeting all the other people you know surrounding this has just been fantastic. And, and what have you got planned for the rest of the for the rest of your trip? Jeff and I are going up to West Brom to see the Burnley game on Monday, and then I'm hanging around and I'm going to see the Stoke game next Sunday. What about your good self? I got three more games to go. Run us through it then. <clears throat> Leeds, Newcastle tomorrow. West Brom, Burnley, and then I'm going behind enemy lines. Talk to us. Luton, Portsmouth. He's come all the way over to watch Watford, and he's ending up going to watch Luton v Portsmouth. Have you ever been to the kennel before? No, I haven't. So this is this is going to be quite the experience. We'll have to you have to drop us a line and let let us know exactly how you get on, what it's like. We've got something yellow. We've got like a yellow vest you can wear underneath. Well, I was you. hoping if you guys give me some stickers and I kind of kind of put them all around the stadium. All right. Well, <laughs> you're braver braver man braver man than I. So you've got a lot packed into your trip. It's great to see you guys here. You've been a lucky omen so far. So we're going to, we might try and keep you. But you're going to have to go back. It's a long flight back. So bearing in mind perhaps what you've seen on Watford so far this season and what you've seen this afternoon, who would you like to sit next to? on the flight back. If you could sit with one Watford player. Uh, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. One past and one present. You've got to sit next to any flight. So you're in the middle of okay. two Watford players. One one past and one present. Who's going to go first? Jeff, Kent, Jeff, Kent? I'll go. Jeff. Uh, I would go with Deeney. Uh, no, sorry, you can't do Deeney, right? So I would go... Too obvious. Troy's off Troy's off limits. You've met Troy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sort of helped you, helped you check in and all that sort of stuff. He's been a cool yeah. guy, so... I'd go, with, 
doily. And the reason I go with that is he, it wasn't like he came when he was 20 or 21. He came here when he was 9 or 12, right? Yep. So understanding the whole youth system would be really interesting and how he got development. Um, and then just his life of all the different coaches would be really interesting of that process sure. and just understanding how he saw the Premier League sure. and how things changed um, through the organization. And then currently, I'd probably go with Ben Watson. Um, as a guy that's been in the Premier League, he got relegated. And, um, but just seeing that dynamic and how does it work and you know, now being a... Well, he's, he's on this bench, but just seeing what that process is and when he came to Watford and how that... How that went. So. Right, good choice. I think both of them would love to drink, so that'd be good too. Don't, don't you're casting aspersions on uh, Lloyd and Benny Watson, but I'm sure they'll, I'm sure they'll share a, a miniature glass of uh, warm white wine with you on the, on the, on that flight. Ken, what about your good self? Well, considering that I don't remember a whole lot about my first time around, uh, listening to uh, Tony Cotton talk about his time, and I was like, I, I really got a sense that he loved his time here, and I would, I'd love to hear some more about him and what happened back in the day I'd, rec- I'd recommend you sort of do that in private because I think Tony's got some good stories if you know good in bold if you know what I mean <laughs> currently since I can't go with Dini uh, I would probably have to go with well Andy's only been gone for a little while yeah, yeah. and I was always very very taken with him uh, I thought he did a fantastic job for us you know getting promoted and and I, w- I was really really sorry to see him go um, and the interviews I've seen with him, he was always very enthusiastic and very much a part of the team. So I would love to sit and talk to him about, uh, about his path. Yeah, it is an interesting one. T- uh, so sitting in between Tony and Ikechi and your little Anarjo in the middle there. Yes. Good choices, fellas. Good choices, fellas. Now just talk to us quickly about Watford as we stand here after the, um, after the Leicester game. Watford are sitting pretty in eighth. Mm-hmm. You're having to follow things from afar. As Watford are sort of incrementally moving up the table and, and inching towards being established as a Premier League side. Are they getting a bit more coverage uh, over, over the other side of the pond? Well, let, let's put it this way. We get to see Watford play on the telly more than you guys do <laughs> because we get every single Premier League game televised live at our pub, the Three Lions in Denver. And it, it's been a real thrill these past two years to actually see every single game instead of just getting two or three games in the championship, which was... The, what happened before so it's it's been a thrill and yeah we've been getting a lot more press Jeff we've got a, there's a guy you've probably heard on the um, on the podcast a few times friend of ours Dave Levy we call him the undertaker he's always quite miserable oh, yeah. he's sort of just you know we love you Dave but come on man lighten up a bit and one of the things he um, he always said that he didn't like about the Premier League was that he liked turning up at Vicarage Road 5-3 to three, just sliding in his seat everything's easy peasy just talk to me about your Watford supporting match day yeah, I think it's it's kind of like you have that band that you love and you tell everyone about it, and then they pop, and they're big, and you want them to be really successful, but then stuff comes with it, right? So you have to be realistic. I think for me, today, it was it's just, there wasn't a problem. It wasn't a big deal. I can understand if you're, you've always done something, and then things change. So you want, you, you want to go to the promised land, and once you're there, well, it's not the same, right? You can't have everything. So now your band's playing in 20,000-seat stadiums, and you're kind of like, oh, I just want to in a 500-seat stadium. So I think you have to be realistic and, and things change. And if you still want to have that experience, you have to go to like a non-league game and, and enjoy that. And, but this is so much fun. I mean, it's I've, last time here was five years ago and we only had three sides of the stadium. Um, and it's just louder and it's just the shop. And it's just, we've just gone up another level. But it's still Watford to me. 
Like it hasn't lost that soul. Like everyone we've been in contact with, the whole process. Like Dave Messenger yesterday was just brilliant and let us, you know, take some photos near the field. The ticketing. I mean, just the whole process has been fantastic. That that's good to hear because I think by default a lot of us revert back to Watford's a family club. Watford is is in touch with the community, but. It's, it's easy for us, I guess, because we, we live close by and we, we get to find out as much information as, as we want, if we, if we, you know what I mean. But, so, but you guys have found that Watford family extends and you've obviously, you've obviously met fellow Watford fans abroad. Does that make this whole supporting process almost more enjoyable in a way? Absolutely. Uh, we actually think of uh, Steve Bergen as another member of the Denver Wofford supporters group, even though he's a season ticket holder and goes to every game here. So Steve's kind of like your fixer, isn't he? Sort of. <laughs> he did help us out. Uh, he got us into the West Hearts Club today, which was very cool. Uh, just the atmosphere before the game was fantastic. And we met uh, some of the other old timers uh, that he's been hanging out with since he was born. So it was, it was just great. And everybody's been so welcoming that uh, it, really is, it really does feel like a family. I mean, every, everyone smiles and where you're from, and it's just, it's just about supporting the club, and it's just amazing. You've got a range of merchandise. You've got an incredible scarf that you, I think you bought in, in 1982. Jeff Spidecti, and he's got his, his hat, his shirt. They've got the, whole, they've got the whole nine yards here. It's awesome. When you guys wear this stuff in the States, I guess back in the day used to be, if you were lucky, oh, that's Elton John's team. Do you think we'll ever get to a stage where, ah, oh, it's Troy Deeney, um, or it's Igalo or Kapu. Do you think we're how far away are Watford from making those sort of inroads where it's not Elton's club, it's so they recognise some of the players? Yeah, I think now if, if you've got people that follow the EPL, it's more of they're starting to pick up players for the fantasy teams. Yeah. So they're getting that notice and it's kind of like the second team, it's kind of seeing them doing good. Um, and I think on a broader society perspective, people are starting to recognise it more of, oh, you're a Premier League, league team, right? Because you used to wear it like five years ago and they're like, you know, why do you have a moose on your shirt? Or why do you have a moose flag outside, you know? Um, and that's their mentality. So it's, you know, soccer's growing so, or football's growing so much bigger in the U.S. And it's all to the Premier League. I mean, it's just, you can go to a pub at 7 a.m. in the morning and there's 150 people there. So last one, it's a bit of a random one. You said you said football there, and obviously in America, it's gridiron. I started this year, you're going to, if you, I don't know if you guys like it in the NFL or not, but I decided, I watch it, so I decided I was going to support a team. And I went with the Jets, who I know are awful. But, but Tony Miola, who played for Watford, also tried out for the Jets. Right. So I thought that's kind of as good a link as I'm going to get, so I went with them. <laughs> if Watford, I'll ask you, ask you both this, if Watford could be an American sports team, so like NFL, NHL, uh, maybe NBA, which one would they be? None of, none of the sports in America have the tier system. So there isn't the promotion, relegation kind of thing. You're, you're basically always a pro team, and that's all there is. Yeah. Um, but Watford would be one of those mid-market teams. Uh, I would I would liken them to maybe uh, St. Louis Cardinals yeah, in baseball. I, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, uh, I think the Cardinals. I think the but the piece you have to look at is different. Is football here is around community and and it's that connection to community because it, it came from the community. Where if you look at professional teams in the U.S., it was always a, a business owner that owned the team and tried to make money. So that you never really have that connection with the community. In St. Louis, you do because. There's two things to do in St. Louis, drink beer and watch baseball. <laughs> <laughs> and there's not much else to do. And you'll have 5,000 people turn up two hours before a game. Um, so it's very much 
community feel. That's that's the heart and heartbeat of that city. Well, yeah. pr props to the pair of you because I thought you were going to go with the easy answer. I thought you were going to say the Steelers because they play in yellow and black. So well done for giving us a <laughs> well done, give us a proper answer, <laughs> fellas. It's an absolute joy to see you over, and I have to tell everyone listening: these guys are beaming from ear to ear. Uh, they've seen Watford beat the champions. Does it get much better than that? No, I mean, I, for me, is the whole process before and after the game was what I was looking for, and the, the game was a bonus. You know, if we lost today, I, I didn't really care. But uh, and Kent, are you going to leave it another 340 years before you come back? <laughs> No, now, now that I've been back and I've met some of these people and met you guys, uh, I'm going to hopefully be back uh, within the next five week, uh, five years, let's put it that way. Awesome. And prediction for the season then, when, where, where are these delicious golden boys going to finish? I've promised myself that if we finish top 10, I'm going to get a tattoo. Oh, you, there we go. You heard it here first. Uh, let us know on, on Twitter at Watford Podcast what should Kent get tattooed and perhaps where if uh, if Watford win in, in the top ten. You heard he's going to be back, so we can we can hold him to that. Jeff, um, before today's game, I would have said about thirteenth, fourteenth. I think uh, our performances have been very inconsistent, but after today, I'll say ninth. It'll do for us, fellas. Thank you so much for joining us. Safe trip back. Thank, Thank you. you much. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, you Orns. OK, so we thoroughly enjoyed today's result. I think that's fair to say. Next up, we're back here next Sunday, live on TV against Stoke. Cue a few people on um, Twitter moaning about that not being a very super Sunday. Stoke lost today to Bournemouth, my old team. Not the team I used to support, the team I used to work for, I'd like to point out. What are we expecting next weekend? Where do we go from here, Mike? It's going to be tough. I hate early kickoffs, and it's an early kickoff on a Sunday, isn't it? And it's just they never feel quite. I thought today was great. The Leicester game was a rip roaring. It was always bubbling under. It felt like a real proper like first division, as in top division game. It was like it was great. It really, really good. The crowd was was up and buzzing, and I just don't think we're going to get that again against Stoke. I think we. Sorry, but we've just beaten Leicester, the champions, 2-1, and you are still finding a reason to be pessimistic, Mike. Realistic, not pessimistic, Kelly. Thank you very much. Um, but so it's going to be tough. We have to start again. We have to we have to reset, and go again. Um, Stoke are obviously until they've lost today to Bournemouth, they've turned their season around. We know they've got good players. We thought they were going to be in for in for a long sort of relegation season. They still might. So. I've said it all along that these these little clutches of games, Leicester, Stoke and West Brom, will be a really, really good um, barometer, a real good test for this Watford side. They're going to come up with different challenges, um, three teams that we would expect to get something from, and we're a, we're a team that they would also expect to get something from as well. So it's another one that... What I love about this Premier League season is that all three results are genuinely possible. And I, I, I think that, that applies whether we're playing Manchester City or whether we're playing Swansea or, or Hull. I think all three, all three game of results are a possibility. And that's the same against Stoke. You can't, really, you can't really say more than that. We spoke before the game, Kelly, and we said it all depends which Watford turn up. And we saw for the first 15, 20 minutes today, the Watford that we love turned up. The, the, the aggressive, the attacking, the composed... Um, the talented um, and exciting Watford showed up, and we almost swept Leicester away. We could have we could have been home and hosed by half time. So if that Watford shows up against Stoke, we could have another three points on our hands, and we could be inching ever closer up the table. If it doesn't, then they've got they've got the players that are going to really really hurt us. We need to be switched on. I said in the second half we gave the ball away too much, and I think if you if you sit and watch the game back. You'd probably agree. Little, we'd take that little, little, little split second too long to make the right decision or to play the pass. You can see it's coming. You can see they've got the ability to do it, but it just sometimes takes that little bit too long. 
cut that out, if we cut that out, we're going to be at a very, very, very difficult proposition for Stoke. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. These are the tough battles. These are what dictate our season. This is where the, the season is going to be kind of won or lost. So I can't wait for it. Um, if you're going to ask me what the score is going to be, I don't care if you are, because I'm going to tell you, it's going to be it's going to be 2-0 Watford. OK, so he has ended being a bit more positive there. Paul, we know your trip is probably going to be made, made or broken by Watford. They've done, a, they've done a good job for you today. What are you expecting next week? And do you think he'll stay with the same lineup? Does this formation work? Well, I think there's certainly plenty to build on from what we saw today, uh, particularly in the first half. And, and it didn't fall apart in the second half. It just didn't work quite, quite so well. But I think um, uh, yeah, we, we've heard rumours that there's a very positive uh, reaction in the dressing room. Uh, this evening and, uh, and I think they'll try and build on, uh, on what they did today and, and hopefully uh, get it going early and, and often against uh, Stoke next week. Uh, I'm super excited about the early kickoff because I'll still be here so uh, I think it's noon uh, which is 5am uh, Denver time so I won't have to get up at 4 o'clock to be in the pub at 5. I will uh, get up at a reasonable time and be at the Vic for noon. Uh, which I'm certainly looking forward to. It's a big improvement. kind of want to ask you a little bit about this, how you support Watford out there in Denver, because I've just got back from New York and I went to a sports bar where they get they all get up and they open up early at like 5 or 7am, I think it is out there when it's 3pm kickoff. What, what's your Watford supporting experience like? Uh, it's similar to that. So we're two hours behind New York, seven hours behind uh, the UK. Uh, so a three o'clock kickoff is usually eight in the morning for us. Those early kickoffs are at uh, five or five thirty or six sometimes. Um, most games I try to get to the to, to the pub. Uh, there are uh, five hardcore Watford fans in Denver, and uh, most of the time we meet up and, and watch the games. The uh, all of the games are played live on NBC Sports in uh, in the US. Uh, so typically if there are five or six games being played, they'll all be screened in the same pub with different parts of the pub with the, the, the screens and the sound going and different games and some banter in between the sets of fans. So uh, it's a good time when we win. It's less fun uh, watching the, the Liverpool game with uh, 20 or 30 Liverpool fans and only three or four of us uh, showing up. Um, that can be a little bit uh, challenging. But, you know, it's, uh, it, it's a change after years and years of listening to the radio commentaries to actually see the games and, and have an opinion that's based on uh, what we saw rather than what we heard. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it, 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 it's, it's great times for us at the moment. Well, thank you very much, Mike, for joining us as usual. And thank you very much, Paul. It's been a privilege to have you here for all the way in Denver. It's been a privilege for me to host today's podcast. Make sure you get in touch with us at Watford Podcast. Tell us what you thought, what you're thinking ahead of Stoke, if you're as negative as Mike, even though we've just won 2-1. And I'll leave you with the thought that we have just beaten the champions. Champions.